Well, David used to be introduced as my son, but now I'm introduced as his father. Thank you, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you bless this message because it's of vital importance on this day of Simchat Torah that we turn our attention to the Torah in a very deep way. I ask, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would minister to those that hear this message and to me as I deliver it. B'Shem Yeshua. Some time ago, I received an email from a believer. Let's call him Thomas. He read the introduction to the book I was writing in collaboration with Dan Juster, titled The Law of Messiah Compiled as Mitzvot. Now, Mitzvot are commandments. And he wrote this. I don't understand the basis for your argument that there are two types of law, covenant-dependent and covenant-transcendent. I understand what you're getting at and almost agree, but you offer no reasoning for your argument. Thomas was referring to a statement I made in the book that was technical. But please indulge me as I explain it because I want to use it to make a point that is important to be made today. The statement in the book was this. There were two categories of statutes commanded by God under the Mosaic Covenant. Those whose literal compliance depends upon the Mosaic Covenant's continued existence and those whose literal compliance does not. We shall call the first of these covenant-dependent and the second of these covenant-transcendent. The two terms that Thomas questioned, covenant-dependent and covenant-transcendent, are made-up expressions that are meant to explain commandments whose literal application and enforcement depend upon whether or not the Mosaic Covenant is still in effect today. You know Hebrews 8.13 says that the Mosaic Covenant is aging and will soon disappear. And so I wrote back, Thomas, commandments that I call covenant-dependent are the ones that can be obeyed to the letter of the way they are written only so long as the conditions of the Mosaic Covenant continue to exist. The key conditions that must exist to support covenant-dependent commandments are, first, a standing Jerusalem temple, a temple in which animals are sacrificed. We don't have that today. Second, a functioning Levitical priesthood capable of conducting the temple sacrifices. 
We don't have that today either. And third, a government of Israel that is submitted to God and led by a man of God's choosing. The land of Israel will someday be that, but it is not that today. The other commandments, those that do not need those conditions, those I call covenant transcendent because they transcend the Mosaic covenant. I gave Thomas examples of both kinds of commandments. For typical covenant dependent commandment, I offered Leviticus 7 verses 1 to 5, which reads, This is the law for the guilt offering. It is especially holy. They, meaning the Kohanim, the priests, in behalf of the individual Israelites, are to slaughter the guilt offering in the place where they slaughter the burnt offering, and its blood is to be splashed against all sides of the altar. He, meaning a priest, is to offer all its fat, the fat tail, the fat covering, the inner organs, the two kidneys, the fat on them near the flanks, and the covering of the liver, which he will remove with the kidneys. The Kohen will make them go up and smoke on the altar as an offering made by fire to Adonai. It is a guilt offering. It is obvious that we cannot obey this commandment of Torah literally today. We have no functioning Levitical priests. We have no standing Jerusalem temple and no temple altar. And even if we had those things, we wouldn't be burning animal sacrifices as guilt offerings because Yeshua's sacrifice has become our guilt offering. So we no longer need to use animals. Clearly, this commandment is covenant-dependent because it depends on the conditions of the Mosaic covenant existing, and they do not. I then went on to give Thomas examples of Torah commandments that are covenant transcendent, and I quoted Exodus 20, verses 12 to 13, which says, Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land which Adonai your God is giving you. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false evidence against your neighbor. This scripture contains three separate commandments, each of which transcends the Mosaic Covenant because we can obey every one of them today exactly as written. None of them need the temple or the priests or the altar. Thomas then replied with an intriguing question. He asked, I don't see anywhere in the scripture that tells us what is in the new covenant. What, in your opinion, comprises the new covenant? I told him that his question was a good one, and I gave him an answer. But why am I telling you all of this? It is because the kinds of questions Thomas was asking touches what I believe God wants us all to know about Torah in the New Covenant and how appropriate a subject it is for 
Today, our celebration of Simchat Torah. The New Covenant is best described prophetically in Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34 in the New King James and in the Hebrew Bible, verses 30 to 33. It says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law on their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. During the Mosaic Covenant times, all of the commandments of Torah that were given to Moses that he passed on to the Israelites were doable in every detail exactly as stated. However, Jeremiah prophetically foresaw that there would be a change in covenant when God's law would continue to exist, but where we would receive and respond to it differently than we had before. God's words to Jeremiah were, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And in verse 34, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. These things could only be accomplished by God drawing closer to us in the new covenant than he had to the Israelites under Moses. And if we read beyond the Tanakh to the New Testament, we see how God accomplished it. The prediction in Jeremiah 31, verse 34, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, I will remember no more, can only be explained by Yeshua's sacrifice. There is no other event in history that can explain it. According to Hebrews 9, verses 24 to 26, Yeshua's sacrifice resulted in so complete an eradication of our sins that for those who receive him and repent, our sins are remembered no more. The Hebrews passage that describes this reads as follows. For the Messiah has entered a holy place which is not man-made and merely a copy of the true one, but into heaven itself in order to appear now on our behalf in the very presence of God. Further, he did not 
enter heaven to offer himself over and over again, like the Kohen Hagadol who enters the holiest place year after year with blood that is not his own. For then he would have had to suffer death many times from the founding of the universe on. But as it is, he has appeared once at the end of ages in order to do away with sin through the sacrifice of himself. And also 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 informs us, also he is the kapara, or the covering, for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. And Romans 4 Verses 24 to 25 tells us, They were written also for us who will certainly have our account credited to because we have trusted in him who raised Yeshua our Lord from the dead. Yeshua who was delivered over to death because of our offenses and raised to life in order to make us righteous. So the first part of the new covenant that God sent to us was none other than God himself in the person of Yeshua. And that first part paved a way for the second, also God himself, but this time in the person of the Holy Spirit. We read of the second element in John 16, verses 5 to 7 and Acts chapter 2, 1 to 4, and then in um, verses 14 to 21 that refer to the book of Joel. First Yeshua's words from the book of John. But now I am going to the one who sent me. Not one of you is asking me, where are you going? Instead, because I have said these things to you, you are overcome with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the comforting counselor will not come to you. However, if I do go, I will send him to you. And now reading from Acts 2, verses 1 to 4. The festival of Shavuot arrived. And the believers all gathered together in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from the sky like the roar of a violent wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then they saw what looked like tongues of fire which separated, and they came to rest on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Rach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. And they began to talk in different languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. And now jumping down to... Verse 14 of John. Then Kepha, that is Peter, stood up with the eleven and raised his voice to address them. You Judeans and all of you staying here in Jerusalem, let me tell you what this means. Listen carefully to me. These people aren't drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, no. This is what was spoken about through the prophet Yoel. 
Adonai says in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon everyone. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And even on my slaves, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will perform miracles in the sky above and signs on the earth below and fire, blood, smoke, thick, thick smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon blood before the great and fearful day of Adonai comes. And then whoever calls on the name of Adonai will be saved. So in response to the question, what comprises the new covenant? My answer is that the new covenant is a brand new way that God has provided us to have a relationship with him. A closer relationship than before. A one-on-one -on -one relationship. Hebrews 6, excuse me, Hebrews 8, 6 explains it this way. But now the work of Yeshua has been given to do, what it has been given, he has been given to do, is far superior to theirs just as the covenant he mediates is better. For this covenant has been given as Torah on the basis of better promises. What are those better promises? Well, instead of our having to communicate with God by way of prophets and statutes and ordinances, we can now be cleansed of our sins by Yeshua's sacrifice and then communicate with God directly through the Holy Spirit, who, because of the cleansing, is now able to reside within us. We are told in 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20, Don't you know that your body is a temple for the Ruach HaKodesh, who lives inside you, whom you received from God? The fact is, you don't belong to yourselves. For you were bought at a price. So use your bodies to glorify God. According to Hebrews, the two covenants, the Mosaic covenant and the new covenant, are very different. In the first covenant, God spoke commandments of Torah to Moses from on high and through Moses, the Israelite. Israelites learned. Exodus 19, verses 5 to 6. Now, if you will pay careful attention to what I say and keep my covenant, then you will be my own treasure from among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. In response, all the people of Israel answered as one and said, Everything Adonai has said, we will do. But of course, Israel didn't do what they promised. And they broke God's covenant. In the new covenant, God does not have different moral expectations of us than in the previous covenant. That notwithstanding, the new covenant is indeed new in the way that God communicates his Torah to us. In the Mosaic Covenant, God was more distant, and his will was conveyed mainly through his spoken commandments that were written down and through the prophets. 
In the new covenant, by comparison, God has made himself near to us through the Holy Spirit who lives within us, and he speaks to us individually to help us understand and apply his Torah to individual circumstances. God's expectation of the way we respond to Torah is different today. During the Mosaic Covenant, our response was, when we hear your commandments, we will obey. In the New Covenant today, our response should be, Lord, we now know you intimately because the Holy Spirit lives within each of us and you speak to each of us as a father speaks to his son. In this new close relationship, we know your desire for us and we obey you, not because we fear punishment, but because we love you and want to please you. In our seeking to keep God's Torah, our approach should not be one of rule-keeping, as it likely was under Moses, but rather one of looking to his commandments to guide us in knowing his will. The knowledge that is acquired through the scripture of the Torah is interpreted and explained to us by the Holy Spirit so we can understand God's will for each of us and to understand it in each of our special circumstances. Although the statutes of the Mosaic Covenant are no longer enforced in the same way as in the old days, they are exceedingly useful in helping us to know, understand, and appreciate God's law that has now, as Jeremiah prophesied, been put in our minds and hearts by the Holy Spirit. Some final thoughts. Even today, Torah is too often thought of as consisting merely of the statutes and ordinances. Actually, Torah is much broader than that. The literal meaning of Torah is God's teaching. And from a new covenant perspective, it includes everything in God's written word, that is, the entire Tanakh and New Testament, as well as everything he reveals to us by way of explanation and direction. A new covenant believer in Yeshua cannot, therefore, separate keeping the written word of Torah from discerning the will of God through the Holy Spirit. The covenant-dependent and covenant-transcendent commandments that I quoted earlier were clear and unambiguous, but that is not always the case. Consider, for example, Exodus 23.19. You are not to boil a young animal in its mother's milk. Or also consider Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 and verse 8, which says, These words which I am ordering you today are to be on your heart. Tie them on your hand as a sign. Put them at the front of a headband around your forehead. Is the Exodus 23 commandment to not boil an animal in its mother's milk intended to be taken literally? 
The rabbis have broadened its meaning to not cooking or eating dairy and meat during the same meal or within hours of each other. I, on the other hand, think it was intended to be literal in opposition to a perverted heathen practice. How can we decide? We consult the Holy Spirit. Does the Deuteronomy 6 commandment mean that God wants us to pray while wearing black boxes with scripture on our arms and foreheads? That is the Orthodox Jewish interpretation. I, on the other hand, do not believe that the commandment is intended to be literal, but that is intended as an exhortation for us to think with our minds and do with our bodies according to the word of God. How can we decide? We consult the Holy Spirit. There are many such commandments of Torah in the Bible that need interpretation from, from the Holy Spirit. We can simply adopt whatever practices we find convenient or embrace the practices of one authority or another. But I believe that God wants us to consult him directly. There may, in fact, be different applications according to the communities in which we live and each of our particular circumstances. We cannot know unless God reveals it to us, and so we should ask him. That is the way I believe God wants us to keep Torah in the new covenant. Relying on the Holy Spirit is the key. We cannot keep Torah by merely following rules. We must seek the Holy Spirit for discernment and application. This is God's message to Tikvat Israel for Simchat Torah today. I thank you, Lord, for this message. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen.